I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. Once again, we've been there many, many times over the last few weeks and now even months, I guess it, it is. Galatians chapter 5, we've been in a series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And specifically, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit for the last few weeks. And tonight, I want to talk to you about that fifth fruit of the Spirit. And so, uh, listen, super excited about giving you the message tonight. Now, I have no idea how it's going to turn out. It might bomb. I don't know. But uh, if it bombs, it'll it'll just bomb because I didn't preach it well. I promise you that. It's not going to bomb because it's not a great truth, because it's a wonderful truth. And so look at Galatians chapter 5 in your Bibles, verse 16 is where we're going to begin tonight. And when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's all stand tonight uh, out of respect for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read down through verse number 25. And the Bible says in uh, Galatians 5 and verse number 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. And we learned weeks and weeks ago, we learned that when you live that life that, that cultivates the flesh, it's a very, very complicated life. It's very messy, very complicated. Look what he says. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, that's not the life that you and I want to live right there. It's just complicated. It's a messy, messy, messy life. But verse 22, uh, we love the simplicity of living for the Lord. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. 17 works of the flesh, nine fruit of the Spirit. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, and then notice in verse number 25, he says exactly what he said in verse 16. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so we're going to revisit that in just a little while. I've got three points I want to give you tonight. The first two are our introduction, and we're going to try to get through those rather quickly tonight. And then we're going to, we want to get to that last point And that's where I want to stay just for a little while tonight as we talk about the fifth fruit of the Spirit. So you may be seated, and let's have a word of prayer, and we'll jump right into the Bible study tonight, and I hope it'll be a a help to you. Father, we love you. Thank you so much. It's been a wonderful day. We're so blessed to be here. And uh, Lord, that's not just, that's not just, Lord, pie in the sky stuff that comes from pastor. Lord, it's really good to be here. And we just thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be in your house. Uh, Lord, may we never take it for granted, lest it be taken from us. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for letting us be here tonight. Bless our discussion. I pray it will honor you and please you. And Heavenly Father, I pray that it will edify your church. And I pray that we will leave here tonight being able to say it was good to be in the house of the Lord. I pray for your power And I pray for your help now as we do our best to teach and preach the Word of God. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. And all God's people said, 
Amen. Well, several things we learned about. First of all, we learned about the first fruit of the Spirit, and that is love. And we said that's an agape love, not necessarily a brotherly love, but an agape love, a godly love. Then we talked about joy. And that word joy, of course, is the idea of gladness. We ought to have a gladness about us. And then peace. Uh, And we said that word peace there means tranquility, free from agitation. It means prosperity, the condition of being successful or thriving. And then it also means that just that peace between individuals. And that if you are uh, walking in the Spirit and bearing the fruit of the Spirit, you know what? You're going to get along. I know there are some people that are just hard to get along with, but if you're walking in the Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to have peace. Uh, that's going to be manifested uh, in your life. And then, of course, we talked about that last one, long-suffering, long-suffering, suffering long uh, with one another. But I want to go to the next one tonight, the fifth fruit of the Spirit, and that, of course, is gentleness. Look at verse 22. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and then it uses the word gentleness, gentleness. Boy, I want to I camp out on that word a little bit tonight, gentleness. It's the Greek word Christotes, Christotes. At least that's what it looks like to me. They probably pronounce it totally different, but that's what it looks like, it says to me. Uh, gentleness. And, and uh, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I was, uh, I was a little amazed when I started uh, studying this out. And each week, as we've taught one of the fruits of the Spirit, uh, I've really tried to do some digging. And as I begin to dig in this word uh, concerning gentleness, uh, I uh, again, I was amazed at, at what I found. Now, at first glance, when you read the word gentleness, you might think that the word gentleness there means uh, something like kindness or maybe meekness or, uh, you know, somebody that's gentle, has gentleness. Maybe that means that, that they are just sort of, they're sort of easygoing. They're an easygoing person. But actually, the word gentleness is a very, very strong word in your New Testament. And it carries with it two different ideas of thought. And I'm going to give you those two, and we're going to go on quickly tonight. First of all, the word gentleness means usefulness. That's what it means. Uh, Again, I encourage you to go study all this out for yourself. But as I I went to uh, my concordance, I went to my Strong's concordance, and I looked up the word gentleness, and I learned how it's pronounced in Greek, and then I looked at the definition, and I was surprised that this was the first thing that came up, usefulness. Gentleness means usefulness. It means excellence in character and demeanor. But this is where I wanted to get to, and you can just jot this down on the margin of your Bible by the word gentleness. It means fit for use. Fit for use is what it means. So let me give you an illustration. My dad, who I was with this week, of course, and my dad used to say, When we were going up, I'd hear him say something like this. That's not fit for anything. We went out this week. Uh, Mom had not passed yet, and so we uh, went out with with, uh, my dad and my aunt. I drove them to go get something to eat, and we uh, ate at a place. I won't tell you where we ate, but we ate at a place. And uh, and one of the things that they served when we left, and my dad had no idea I was going to preach this tonight, we were heading back to the hospice house, and my daddy said that wasn't fit to eat. And that's what this means. Uh, it, is, it is the opposite of that. Gentleness is something that is fit for use. But you've heard people say that. That's not fit for anything. A few years ago, Miss Tammy and I, 
we found this, uh, this package deal at the Grove Park Inn in, in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. And if you've never been to the Grove Park, man, you ought to go up there and just see it. I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful. But anyway, we found this great package, and we could go up to the Grove Park, and we could stay overnight, and we could enjoy, enjoy two meals at the Grove Park Inn. We could eat at the Blue Ridge Cafe, which I encourage you to do that. It's a beautiful place. And also, at the time, they had a restaurant called Horizons, the Horizons. And, uh, and I looked it up. There were only, there were only five five-star restaurants in the whole state of North Carolina at the time, and the Horizons was one of those five-star restaurants uh, in the state of North Carolina. So sure enough, we, uh, we had reservations to go to Blue Ridge Cafe that morning, the next morning for breakfast, and so we called ahead and set up reservations to eat supper at the Horizons restaurant at the Grove Park Inn. Um, and so, of course, we didn't know what to, what, what to uh, expect, and so I went ahead and called down, and I said, yes, I just want to see, you know, what's the, uh, what's the dress for this place? Oh, sir, he said, this is black tie, and I was like, oh, okay, does that mean I have to wear a black tie? Is that what that means? And uh, I, I had to go get a coat, and we, we went down to JCPenney, and I bought a suit coat, and, and uh, uh, you had to wear a, a coat and a tie, and uh, it was French. It was French cuisine, and I'll never forget. We went in that night, and brother, you talk about fancy. This was fancy, smancy. I'm telling you, it was fancy. Um, uh, it was way over us. I'm telling you, way over us. And uh, and so anyway, we went in and we sat down, and and you know, it's one of those restaurants where they have uh, they have you know a couple glasses there. They have three or four forks, and they have a couple plates, and then. Before you order, they come and they take all the glasses away and the plates away and all the forks and stuff away. And I'm thinking, why'd they put them there if they didn't want us to eat, eat with them? And a little bit later, they bring back three or four forks and three or four spoons. And I thought, man, I don't eat with just one spoon at a time. That's all I eat with. And my wife said, this is what Miss Tammy said. She said, you watch me and I'll watch the people next to us. And, <laughs> and we'll do what they do, you know? And so... <laughs> That's how bad it was. I'm telling you, it was terrible. And listen, you know, you know that you are way above your pay grade when you get the menu and you can't read it. I mean, you know, you know you're in trouble. And so this is French cuisine. And so we got our, you know, the, the, the waitress, you know, uh, boy, they're decked. And I mean, she brings them out. She opens them up for you, puts them down in your lap, you know, and, and, um, uh, and so we're looking, you know, we're, we're acting like we know what we're doing. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, you know. And she, she goes on her way, and we're looking through the, the menu. And I look at Miss Tammy, and she looks at me, and I'm like, Polyvue Francais? I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. So we're, seriously, I'm not, I'm not picking when I tell you this. You say, preacher, you are a hick. I know, I, I know. But the th thing is, I know that, so that's, that's okay. And uh, so we're looking down through there just trying to find something we recognize, and so we're trying to figure out something that we can order from his Tammy. I saw something that sort of said lobster, and I thought, well, I like lobster. That's good. I'll order that. And then uh, we couldn't find chicken. We couldn't find chicken breast. We couldn't find uh, anything like that. But we finally found something that said squab. And I thought, squab, that's a bird. That's chicken. That's chicken. And so I told Miss Tammy, I said, honey, we'll just, I'm going to order this lobster for me and we'll order this squab for you. And, and uh, that's chicken. That's probably what that is. Probably a chicken breast, fancy name for a chicken breast. I got news for you. That was not chicken. All right. It was not. Uh, that was what they call sitting pigeon is what that was. 
And uh, anyway, they, they brought it out that night. And I'll never forget, they brought it out on these two big platters and, and had, they had lids on them. And uh, she brings them out. You know, she serves. What are you, serve from the right or serve from the left? Which one? But anyway, whatever it is, she served from whichever direction you're supposed to serve from. She laid these big platters with the lids on them. And she waits until she gets both of them down at our place. And then she reaches over takes the lids off at the same time, and I never had this done. When she takes the lids off, she says, voila. <laughs> well, we started, we started eating, and I could tell Miss Tammy was not having a great night. And so I said, is it, is it chicken? She's like, this is not chicken. And so I noticed she wasn't eating it, and I said, is it, is it you know, is it, how is it? She said, I can't eat it. I thought, honey, it can't be that bad. It can't be that bad. Boy, how many know women just like to complain? Can I get an amen right there? Yeah. And uh, I thought it can't be that bad until I took a bite. And when I took a bite, I thought, oh, my word, that is not fit to eat. Now, thankfully, that was included in our package that night. Amen? Thankfully, we didn't have to pay for that. We learned after that that would have cost us about 150 bucks that night. And that's been many, many, many years ago. But it wasn't fit to eat. Uh, have you ever done this? Have you ever, have you ever needed a tool? And you didn't have time to go to Lowe's Hardware? Or you didn't have time to go to Home Depot or something like that? And so you thought you went down here to Dollar General? And you bought a tool. You needed a tool. And you went down to Dollar General. And you bought a tool. And you got it home. And before you could even accomplish what you were trying to accomplish, it broke. And you thought, man, that's not even fit for anything. That's not fit for use. It broke. And so the Bible is teaching us a lesson here that when the Bible talks about the fruit of gentleness, it is, it's the idea of someone being fit for use, fit for use. But then there's another definition, and it's the definition of good. It means fit for use, but also it's the idea of something that is good. Now, what does that mean? Think about it. Have you ever done the opposite of what I just said? Have you ever spent a little bit more on a product and it worked incredibly well and you thought, wow, man, that worked great? Or have you done this? Have you went to a restaurant and you paid just a little extra than what you normally would have paid and it was great? Man, we've had a few times like that. My wife and I went out, and, uh, and the bill was a little bit more than we would normally pay at a restaurant, and yet the service was great, the food was fantastic, and, man, we went away very fulfilled and satisfied, and I don't know how many times I've told my wife, I said, listen, I'm willing to pay just a little bit more to get something that good. I mean, that was really good. It was fit. It was fit for use. Well, that's exactly what our Bible's teaching here when it talks about the gift of gentleness or the fruit of gentleness. It means that if you are bearing that fruit of gentleness, that you are fit for his use. Now, here's the question. Does the Bible address how you and I can be fit for use? And it does. Now, I'm gonna give you three thoughts tonight very quickly, the first two super quick, and then we wanna camp out on the last one just a little bit. Number one, watch this tonight. Number one, we can be fit for use by washing personally. Now, hold your place there in Galatians, but I want you to turn over a few pages to the right to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and look at verse number 20. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and look, look at verse number 20. Somebody says, preacher, I want to be fit for use. I want the Lord to use me. 
Uh, I, I don't want to be that tool that's not fit for anything. I want, to, I want the Lord to use me. What can I do to be fit for use? Number one, by washing personally. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 20. Look at this. The Bible says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. Look at this. And some to what? And some to honor and some to what? And some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. That word sanctified means set apart, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Now let me teach you what this, what this is talking about. There are some vessels that you only use for honorable purposes. Others are used for dishonorable purposes. Uh, let me give you a, a great for instance here. You would typically use a trash can for holding what? Trash, yeah. Uh, we would call that dishonorable use. Uh, we put things in trash cans like uneaten food. We put things in trash can like waste, like dirty diapers, uh, uh, just sometimes smelly things and horrible things. And that trash can is used for uh, usually for a dishonorable use. But, but listen to this, that trash can can be used for honorable purposes. Uh, did you know you can use that same trash can for holding ice for drinks? Or you could, you could use that, that trash can for some type of a, a storage unit, for some type of food. But here's the thing, the only way it can be used for honorable purposes is to purge it. You've gotta clean it. You've got to cleanse it, okay? You wouldn't take a dirty trash can. You've been using for trash for the last two months and go out there and put ice in it. At least I hope you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. Now, that thing can be used for honorable purposes, but before it's used for that, you know what you've got to do? You've got to purge it. It's the Greek word ekathario, and it means to cleanse thoroughly. In other words, the Bible is saying this. If you and I are going to be fit for use, it is imperative that we cleanse ourselves. Now, if you're still in 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse number 19. The Bible says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so we, we're to cleanse ourselves. We're to, we're to wash ourselves personally. And if we wash ourselves, we're, we're made fit for use. By the way, one of the ways we wash ourselves is through the word of the living God. Amen. The Bible says in John 15, three, I'll just read this for you. The Bible says, now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Ephesians 5, 26 says it like this, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And so somebody says, pastor, why do you make such a big deal about getting in my Bible? Because as you get in your Bible, you know what it does? It cleanses you, it washes you, it purges you. It makes sure that you remain a, a vessel unto honor, a vessel that's fit for use, that the Lord can use. And so how do we, how do we make ourselves fit for use? Number one, by washing personally. Number two, quickly. I told you I'd be quick. Number two, by willing participation. Now, take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter six. And look with me, if you will, at verse number six. And when I begin to think about this thing of being, uh, of being a willing participant, I could not help but think about the prophet Isaiah. One of the reasons that Isaiah was so greatly used of God is because Isaiah was willing. He had great willingness. Look at what I'm talking about. If you will, Isaiah chapter six and verse number six. 
The Bible says, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Look at this. Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see indeed, but perceive not. Do you know why the prophet Isaiah was so greatly used of God? Why he was fit for use? Because Isaiah was willing. He was a willing participant. Somebody said this, few men are born leaders. Leadership is achieved by ability, alertness, experience, and keeping posted. By willingness to accept responsibility. A knack for getting along with people. An open mind and a head that stays clear under stress. Someone else said the greatness of a man nearly always can, uh, can nearly always be measured by his willingness to be kind. Someone said virtue does not always demand a heavy sacrifice, only the willingness to make it when necessary. Do you know why some church members are not fit for use? They're not willing. They're not willing. And by the way, can I just ask you this? Are you willing to do anything? We say, Pastor, I'm willing to preach. Wonderful. How about clean the commode? Well, Pastor, I'm willing to lead the choir. Great. How about to sweep the floor? Are you willing? Willing. And so somebody says, Pastor, how can we be fit for use? Number one, by washing personally. Number two, by willing participation. But this is where I want to get to tonight quickly. Number three, number three, by walking in the Spirit. Now you say, Preacher, we already talked about this, I know. But we're going to revisit this tonight and in a different way. Now, turn back to Galatians 5 in your Bibles. I'm going to show you several verses. And then we're going to turn over to the book of Romans. Galatians chapter 5, and look, if you will, at verse number 16. Oh, my goodness, this is so important, church. Don't miss this tonight. You say, Pastor, I want to be fit for use. I want God to use me. What, what can I do? Number one, wash personally. Number two, a willing participation. But number three, by walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 16. He says it like this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Look at verse number 25. Galatians 5, 25. He says here, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. All right, I want you to turn back a few pages to the book of Romans. And look, if you will, at Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. And look at verse number 1. I promise you this is going to make sense to you here in just a moment. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. Look what our Bible tells us. Here again, we see this same teaching. Romans 8 verse 1. Find your place, say amen. All right, wonderful. Romans 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the what? But after the Spirit. We're to walk in the Spirit. Same chapter, Romans 8, skip down to verse number 4. The Bible says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but, but, but after the what? But after the Spirit. And so, really, Galatians chapter 5, where we're, we've been camping out for the last few weeks, it, the entire context of this passage is this, that if you and I will walk in the Spirit, you'll bear the fruit of the Spirit. 
And part of that fruit is gentleness. In other words, if you and I will walk in the spirit, we'll wash ourselves, we'll be a willing participant, but then we will make sure that we're gonna walk in the spirit. We're gonna bear that fruit of gentleness. We're gonna be fit for the master's use. Now, somebody says, preacher, wait a minute. I know you've been talking about this and you've been teaching on this and, and, and all that, but pastor, I'm gonna tell you something. I, I, even to this day, I still don't understand what you mean when you say that we're to walk in the spirit. Well, let me see if I can explain that a little bit better tonight. So first of all, as we said many, many weeks ago, walking speaks of activity. We're to walk in the spirit. Y'all get that? We're to walk in the spirit. You know what that does not mean? It does not mean we're to take a step. This is not walking. It's not walking. That's taking a step. Walking is, is expending energy. Walking is putting forth effort. Walking is putting one foot in front of the other. Walking. This is walking. Walking. Not just taking a step. Hey, I'm exerting myself. I'm, I'm concentrating. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my brain into gear. I'm, I'm exerting energy. I'm walking. I'm walking. And the Bible says that we are to walk in the Spirit. So that walking means uh, it, it speaks of activity. Uh, but also, I want you to notice this. We're instructed to not only walk, but we are to walk in the Spirit. We're to walk in the pneuma. That's what that, that Greek word, pneuma. We're to walk in the Spirit. It means this. It means a current of air. Breath, watch now, or a breeze. We are to walk in the breeze. We're to walk in the breeze. They said, Pastor, still not following you. Stay with me. A breeze speaks of something that's moving. Are you with me? I don't think you're with me. Let me see if I can get you with me. You know what that is? That's a breeze. That's a breeze. That's, that, listen, that's something that's moving. And the Bible says that we're to walk. We're not just to walk. We're not just to expend energy. We're not just to put one foot in front of the other and walk, but we are to walk in the pneuma. We're to walk in the breeze. Listen, there is a difference in walking in the breeze and not walking in the breeze. Okay, let me give you a for instance. At our, at, at our house, I have, a, I have a home office and sure appreciate the beautiful office our church has given me here. And I have a home office at, at my house and, and I'm often working there. And I just, as the Lord was giving me this message the other day and I'm in the office, right outside my office window, my wife has one of those house flags. Uh, it, it hangs on the front of our house. And a lot of times I'll hear that thing out there and it'll be whipping back and forth and and I can just look right out my office window and I can see that, I can see that flag just whipping back and forth. Wait a minute now, wait a minute now. But at the same time, the papers on my desk are not. They're not whipping back and forth. You know why? Because the flag is in the breeze. But my office is not in the breeze. We are to be walking in the breeze. So here's the thing. If you're walking in the spirit, you're walking where his breeze is. You're walking where he's moving. Now, listen, that's why Bible, reading your Bible is so vital because it keeps you in the breeze. That's why it's important that you be faithful to the house of God. You know why? Because it exposes you to the breeze. 
That's why you ought to serve in a ministry because it keeps you in the breeze. That's why Christian fellowship is so important because it keeps you in the breeze. That's why Sunday school is vital because it keeps you feeling the breeze. That's why you ought to consider a family altar because it keeps your family exposed uh, to the breeze. Again, don't miss this now. Hey, make sure, make sure that you are in the breeze. That's what it's saying. We're to walk but not just walk. We're to walk in the Spirit. Listen to this. People who claim to be saved but decide not to walk in the breeze are not fit for use. They're not fit for use. So let me give you a for instance. If I were to come to you and say, what are you doing today? Oh, we're getting ready to go fly a kite. Oh, that's neat. You're getting ready to go fly a kite. You're going to take our kids. We're going to go fly a kite. And you get that kite out in your house and you tie your spool of string on it and get your sticks all put in your, in your kite. And you say, all right, kids, here we go. And you're still in the house. And I say to you, are you not going to go outside? And you're like, no, no, no. We're going to fly right here in the house. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. You're not going to have a whole lot of a good fortune in flying that kite in the house. You know why? You're not where the breeze is. Anybody with me? Uh, you, you know what? If you're going to have a good kite flying day, how many know this? You've got to get in the breeze. You've got to be where the breeze is, uh, is going. If you came to me and you said, Preacher, we're going to go sailing in a sailboat, but, uh, but we're going to do it in the bathtub. Well, I hate to tell you all this, but you're probably not going to have a very good day sailing because you've got to physically locate the boat where the breeze is blowing. Now, church, I don't think I'm connecting yet, but I just want to say this. Do you know why a lot of Christians are not walking in the Spirit? They're not where the breeze is. Listen, they're not where the breeze is. Listen, if church happens at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning and people are laying in the bed, you're not where the breeze is. Can I get a witness right there? If the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, man, you need to get in your Bible right now, and yet you turn on the television or you pick up the newspaper or you start playing video games, you know what the problem is? You're not where the breeze is. If we're going to be walking in the breeze, if we're going to be walking in the Spirit, we must get where the breeze is blowing. And by the way, thank God the breeze blows here quite often at the Calvary Baptist Church. Now, let me give you some things about the breeze. You'll notice, you say, preacher, how do you know if you're walking in the breeze? Well, think about it. Think about it. If you are truly in the breeze, it moves things around. If you are, listen, if you're really, really in the breeze, it moves things. You ever watch the breeze out in the trees? You ever seen limbs fall out of your tree or leaves fall because the breeze is blowing there? And I thought about that. If you're in the breeze, it'll move things around. Uh, it'll make the leaves fall. It'll make uh, the tree limbs come down. If you're walking in the breeze, it'll move things around in your life. People may notice that you have a schedule that's different now. Going to church, you're going to church more often. Your speech begins to move from where it used to be. Your finances begin to shift. Your priorities begin to transition. Why? Because a breeze begins to move things around. I'll tell you something else. If you're truly in the breeze, 
Think about this. It'll change your appearance. You, have, you ever had your hair all fixed? Man, it looks so pretty. And then you went outside and the wind was blowing like crazy. And before you know it, your hairdo is not like it was or your hairpiece is not where it was. <laughs> you know why? Because that breeze changes your appearance. Man, you ever had this? You ever walked outside with a tie on and that wind blew your tie up or blew your hat off or blew your glasses off? Uh, you see, a breeze will change Breeze will change your appearance. Now, let me just say something real quickly, and we're going to be done here in just a moment, but listen to this. Everybody is welcome at Calvary Baptist Church, regardless of appearance. That's a standard rule. And by the way, for what it's worth, always has been and always will be. Everybody's welcome at the Calvary Baptist Church, regardless of their appearance. But I will say this. Those who've been walking in the breeze... Those who have been walking in the breeze, those that have been walking in the spirit, you know what I believe? I believe when you get in the breeze, your appearance is going to change. I believe if you're walking in the spirit, listen, I believe that, man, you're going to start doing a little different. You're going to start dressing a little different. You're going to start dressing more modestly. You're going to start trying to fix yourself up. You're going to try to start looking Christ-like. Uh, and so uh, if you are truly in the breeze, it'll change your appearance. I wrote this down. If you're truly in the breeze, it'll blow things away from you. It'll blow things away from you. It's capable of blowing things out of your hand. So last year, when Christmas time comes, my wife likes to put these inflatables in our front yard. And for years, we had Frosty in our front yard. And he's about seven foot tall. And I'd put him out there in our front yard and plug him in and stake him down. And the kids loved him and the grandkids loved him. And, and so sure enough, we took Frosty out there and we put him in the front yard and I blew him up and we staked him down and we forgot about him. And that night, we had a windstorm. Well, I came out the next day and I told my wife, I said, Frosty, is not here anymore. Frosty was gone. <laughs> I mean, Frosty went to the North Pole. And, uh, and honestly, man, I looked. I mean, I looked and looked and looked, and I couldn't find Frosty anywhere. And I finally, after days and days and days, I finally found him. He was way, I mean, he was way down in the woods. And, and that breeze had caught him, and it pulled up the stakes, and it ripped him up. And, and we had to put Frosty to rest. And now, what, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that breeze, if you're really walking in the breeze, it'll blow things away from you. Walking in the breeze can blow your temper away. Walking in the breeze can blow your bad habits away. Walking in the breeze can blow your anger away. Walking in the breeze can blow your bitterness away and your immoral thoughts away. You know what? There might be a young man here tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm just bombarded with evil thoughts and immoral thoughts. Uh, uh, any advice? Yes. Walk in the breeze. Walk in the breeze. Walk in the spirit. Uh, be here for your Sunday school class. Be here for youth activity. Be here for youth conference. Uh, be here for everything that's going. Listen, anytime there is a breeze that's blowing, listen, make sure, make sure you get in the middle of that breeze. Walk in the breeze. Why? Because that breeze can blow things away. I'll tell you something else. That breeze, walking in the breeze, can blow your moodiness away. You say, I don't know what's wrong with me, Pastor. I'm just so moody. I'll tell you what's wrong. You're not walking in the breeze. Yeah. 
You need to get where the breeze is. You need to get where the, where the wind is blowing. If you're truly in the breeze, I'll tell you something else. If you're truly in the breeze, it'll change the temperature around you. So a week ago, we were, over in, we were in Denver, Colorado with Brother William and Miss Katie. And it stormed every day. It was rainy, cloudy every day, except Wednesday. Wednesday, finally, it cleared up. And Brother William said, Preacher, I'm going to take you to Miss Tammy. We're going to take you up to a place called Guanella Pass. And he said, we're going, to go, we're going to go up above the tree line. I didn't know what that meant. And uh, I learned what that meant. And so once you get past 11,000 feet, the trees don't grow anymore. And so sure enough, we took off that day and, and we started up toward Guanella Pass. And we went up and up and up and up and up. And, and uh, trees were beautiful. And then we got higher and higher and higher. And little by little, the trees began to disappear. And we finally got way up, way up on top of the mountain. And there were no more trees up there. Something else I noticed that down in Denver, down in the city, and their, little, their church right there in the city, you know, it was, it, was, it was pretty pleasant. I mean, you didn't have to have a coat on. You could just wear a, a, a T-shirt or something like that. It, it was pleasant. But when we got up to, to Guanella Pass, it was cold. And uh, we not only found snow, but we found drifts that were three and four feet deep up there. Now, wait a minute now. What changed? Breeze. The breeze was blowing. Up there on the top of that mountain, man, that wind was blowing. And, and it changed the temperature. Now, I'll ask you a question. We're done. We're done. What's your temperature tonight, spiritually speaking? What's your temperature? Man, are you on fire for God? I mean, just really, you say, preacher, I'm so, I'm just so excited about the Lord. I am so fired up about doing something for the Lord. Or are you here tonight and you say, pastor, I'm sort of cold. I'm sort of cold. Spiritually speaking, I'm sort of cold. Listen, if you'll get in the breeze, let me tell you what it'll do. It will change the temperature in your life. So here's the question. Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you where the breeze is blowing? Man, thank God I am where the breeze is blowing. This is, this is where I want to be. Are you walking in the the Spirit. Are you fit for use? I hope so. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we love you and thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, I pray it's made sense. And Lord, I, I pray that Lord, you'll, you'll just take this feeble attempt at trying to preach and teach the Word. And God, I pray that you use it. Father, help us to walk in the Spirit. Lord, help us to want to be fit for the master's use. God, I can't imagine getting to heaven one day and never being used of God. Oh, Lord, I want you to use me. God, I want you to use me. And I know if I'm going to be used, I'm going to have to wash personally. I'm going to have to make sure I keep my sins confessed. And I'm going to have to make sure that I live a life of separation and holiness God, I'm going to have to wash personally. It's not enough that others wash. God, I've got to wash personally. And then, Lord, I've got to be a willing participant. God willing to do whatever you need me to do. But, oh, Lord, I've got to walk in the breeze. God, I've got to be where the wind is blowing. And so, Lord, tonight, 
I pray that you'll give us some folks that just have, Lord, a, an incredible desire to be fit for use, to have that fruit of gentleness. Lord, have thy way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, I pray. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. A few questions, we're going to be done. How many are here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. If that's you, and you could just slip your hand up as a glorious testimony. Preacher, I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. That's great. Wonderful, wonderful. Let me ask you this, though. Is there anybody here tonight, and you just slip your hand up right now, and you'd say, Pastor, I couldn't raise my hand. Maybe it's your first time here tonight. Maybe you're visiting, and you say, Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody, Preacher, I care enough to slip up my hand, let you pray for me tonight? I'm not sure I'm saved. Anybody? Anybody at all? Hey, child of God, can I ask you a question? Are you fit for use? Well, wouldn't it be terrible to get to heaven and hear the Lord say you weren't fit for anything? Man, I want God to use me. Are you washing personally? Are you a willing participant? And are you walking in the Spirit? Let's all stand tonight, if you would, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, have thy way in this invitation. Lord, if there's somebody here tonight that needs to make a move, I pray, God, that you'd help them to do that. Oh, God, maybe you'd give us some young people tonight who would just determine this is it. This is, this is my life from now on. Until, my, until I'm an old gray-headed man, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. God, give us some young ladies that would just decide this is it. This is it. I'm living for Jesus. I'm walking in the breeze. I'm going to start now while I'm young. And I'm going to walk with God. And I'm going to walk in His Spirit. And I want him to use me. Father, give us some daddies, mamas, that'll say, Lord, would you help me to walk in the breeze so I can make an impact on my children. Lord, have thy way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. While the pianist plays, if you need to come, we'll pause just for a moment. And I'm gonna make my way to the main floor. And if I can help you or pray with you tonight, I'll be here just for a moment. And you come tonight, we'll be glad to pray with you this evening.